So that's, that's, you know, you have to create this transparency, you have to create this light in Rosh Hashanah. So we look at the tefillah and we help, hope it will do. So let's, let's look at, see what the tefillah says and let's see if it works for us. How does it feel? So we, we're examining now the standard standing prayer for Rosh Hashanah, which you say, Mariv Shachris Mincha. So you end up saying it six times over the two days of Rosh Hashanah. And the truth is, the majority of this text is actually equivalent to the first part of the Amidah on Yom Kippur as well. So it's a text which is going to be used a lot, so we're not going to hurt us by becoming familiar. We're going to be doing in Hebrew, I find always English a little bit difficult to work with in terms of prayer. So we're situated in terms of Shemon Esrei, there's always um, three major components to every standing prayer. The beginning part, which is called um, praise, praise, request, thanks. Yeah, those are the standard format. The first three brochas are the brochas of praise. The last three brochas are the brocha of thanks, and the middle component is one of request. So during the week, there's three, thirteen, three, coming to a total of nineteen brochas, and on Shabbos and Yontav, it's three, generally speaking, one, three, there's seven brochas, and on, in Musaf, it depends, in Musaf, especially on, on Rosh Hashanah, there's an additional three brochas in the middle of Shofar, Zechreinus, and Malchus, Malchus, Shofar, Zechreinus. Good. Uvechein. So in the we in the say we in the we in the this uvechain comes before it's including what's called kedusha sashem. Yes. Um, it's in the third bracha. In other words, it's before we get to the brachas of request. This is included underneath the third bracha. First bracha is avos. The patriarchs, Gvurais, strength, Kedushas Hashem, which is the sanctity of Hashem's name. And this falls under that category. And I'm sorry for being technical. I realize that this is extremely boring for a lot of you. Imagine that. You thought it would be enough to be bored in Shul, and I'm bringing Shul to you. I'm boring you for ever longer periods of time. This must be really grueling, and I apologize up front. Chas Shalom. Let's look at the text of the of the bracha. Ata kadosh v'shimcha kadosh. You are kadosh, v'shimcha kadosh. The word kadosh means transcendent. Holy has no real connotation. That's not what holy means. Ata kadosh means kadosh means you do things with a specified intention for beyond here and now. Kedusha is about utilizing the here and now for a springboard for something bigger. So, for example, when you marry a woman, if you just shack up with a woman, that's not kadosh. If you intend to bring out from this relationship children, a home, that's called kiddushin. When you drink a glass of wine, it's not a big deal. People do it in brown paper bags all over the place. 
when you make Kiddush, it means I'm taking this wine and I'm using it as a mechanism of elevation. So I'm utilizing this experience for something beyond this experience. So when you say Hashem is Kaddosh, you mean that which you perceive in his interaction in the world, there's a higher purpose to it. I talk Kaddosh with Shemcha and the way you interact with the world, that's called your name. You call a person, when you beckon a person, it means your concept of the individual. So Hashem's name is the way you experience him interacting with us. Ata Kaddosh, in your essence, for Shemcha Kaddosh interaction also has transcendence and us we are those people that are transcendent individuals the Jewish people have given the mission get into that world and do something beyond that world don't sit there and get caught up in a materialistic quagmire living only for today beyond that live eternity in the moment do you know what I mean when I say live eternity in the moment? A moment can even can either begin and end when it begins and ends, or it can stretch into foreverness. How does an oh, how does a moment extend beyond the here and now? Quite simple. When it's kadosh, what do you mean? They say, all of them. Take the idea of going outside and looking at the the magnitude of the heavens the sheer vastness of the open skies you can go there look at the skies and go yeah, and go back or you can go and you can look at the skies and you can have a sense of this awesome creation and it can fill you up with this experience of the brilliance of the one that fashioned it all and keeps it going then what you've done is your eyesight became a mechanism for emuna, for connection to the Creator. And therefore that looking up at the sky didn't begin and end with its beginning and ending. It became a connection to a higher realm of Hashem is one. And that concept never has an end, it never has a beginning, it's always. So when you use your eyes to do that, and your mind to experience it, you're kadosh. You do, you've done something for something beyond the something. So that's eternity. In the moment, eternity. Whenever you do something, which is a mitzvah, that's essentially what you're doing. You're exploring, you're exploiting the here and now for the evermore. So you're living in Olam Haba, in Olam Hazer. You're living a life which is eternal. It doesn't come to an end. When you go and you have an ice cream because you like eating ice cream, so then it begins when you put it into your mouth and it finishes when it's digested. But when you use an ice cream because you want to experience Hashem's kindness to you, so then the ice cream lasts forever because Hashem's kindness lasts forever. It depends how you use it. So, Kudoshim, we are Kudoshim. We use everything for something beyond it. We are, the Jew is the opposite to the physical world. He's the one that utilizes the physical world as a springboard for eternity. There's nothing that stops and stops when it finishes. It always goes on forever. When we're doing it right. And so, bring your fear, Hashem. You're asking, this is a request. Give your fear. Hashem Elokeinu. Hashem. Shem Havai, which is the name of Rachamim, the one that brings the world into creation. Elokeinu, that. He has a relationship to us. Al kol ma'asecho. Give the sense of fear over everything that you have made. Ve'emoslecho. And your all. 
I'll call Mashiach and everything that you've created. And everything will have you in awe. All your creations will have you in awe. And will prostrate in front of you. All the creations. And all of them will get together. Kulam, together, all of them. A good achas, a single entity, a single group. To do your will, the labor of Shalom, wholeheartedly, without any reservations. As we know, Hashem Hashem, our God, that you ruling the world, strength is in your left hand, and might in your right, and your name is feared, I'll call Mashabaras on everything that you've created. Now, that sounds like, yeah, that was like a translation, and that kind of translation is not so helpful to us. And also, when we start reading those words, we get turned off by the word fear. We've got a bad rap with fear for us is a bad rap. We don't like the word fear. And it's perfectly understandable why we don't like fear. Because, I mean, no one like really runs to... Generally, things which make you scared are not so gishmak. Think about sharks, scorpions, poisonous snakes, muggers, um, goths, trolls. I don't know, in the fiction I know... People, things that scare us are not the kind of things that we want to embrace and get close to Hashem, you're the scariest God in the world. <laughs> whoa, 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 this was so good. So you have to think about what does fear mean in the relationship to Hashem? The way we experience spiritual reality is when there's a notion of consequence. Fear defines the reality of spirituality in our life. And no fear undermines the cogent reality of spirituality. For example, is Shabbos real or not? How do I feel Shabbos being real? Is it a real thing? Is it a real thing? Is it like a different time? Is it like really different? Depends on your level of fear. What do I mean by that? I mean by that as follows. How do you feel when there would be an opportunity to desecrate Shabbos? Somebody says, yeah, come on, light this match. Huh? Come on, go for it. If you feel, nah, it's not going to do anything for me, I'm not going to do it. Then Shabbat says, hmm, it's a custom, it's a ritual. But when you think, you're crazy? You're mad? If I would light that match, this world would be boom, shattered. What is fear? Fear is, imagine you're, people need fear, right? Imagine you're a bus driver. Imagine a bus driver is fearless. I would hate to go in that bus. It means he doesn't recognize the consequences of his actions. There's no parameters to his behavior. And therefore, he doesn't live in reality. He thinks he can go at any speed that he chooses, and he'll be okay. That's reckless. That's scary. If you don't have fear, it means you're not in the real world. Because the real world, there are boundaries. A mountaineer who's fearless, I don't know how long he'll last. In order to exist in reality, you have to know that there's a point where things cannot be crossed without grievous harm because you've stepped out of the bounds of the world which facilitates your existence. And when you don't have a cognizance of those boundaries, so then you're living in a, in a false reality and it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. The reason why people are so careful about where the kids go is because kids don't have natural fear of things which are dangerous to them. So what you want to have is you have to want to have fear. Because fear allows you to acknowledge the delineation of the boundaries around you. 
you hire a person to do a job. The, be- the more you invest in his position, the more powerful he is, the more fear he needs. Imagine a president that's fearless. Could <coughs> end up in a nuclear war. Oh, just Fear requires a certain acknowledgement. There's something around me that's bigger, and I have to be careful. There's care, there's caution that needs to be done. So instead of you're saying like this. Until people fear Hashem, that means they don't have a cogent experience of spirituality, that there's a boundary that cannot be crossed. As long as it, there's nothing that you can experience, no, no, like, just like we fear the physical world, it's because we can see there's, a, there's, a, there's multiple things in the physical world. The physical world is, 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 has a huge range of different things. And fear is a com- crucial component which allows us to interact with that world in a healthy fashion. It allows us to assert the reality of that world. Most of our decisions about connection to reality have a component of fear in them. People go to university because they have a fear of being destitute. That means they, ex- they acknowledge the existence, they acknowledge the reality of that if I don't have a wherewithal to make money, I will ra- have no money. In other words, fear is always a response to an inevitable reality. If a person has no fear of Hashem, it means Hashem doesn't exist! So when you say, you say, introduce Hashem, the spiritual reality into the world, how will it manifest on a basic level? That's fear. It means it's real. There's consequences. Something will happen. It's in existence. It's real. So the first thing we kind of appeal to in Hashem thing is like this. We live in a world which is hidden from our eye, the spiritual reality. And we're looking for light on Rosh Hashanah. So we say, we say to Hashem, Let the whole world realize that there's parameters, that there's boundaries, that there's a reality over here that you have to exist within. And if you cross over, you're in trouble. Not because Hashem is bad and vindictive and vengeful. No, because it's a reality. Hashem created the world and He hid the reality under the surface waiting for us to expose us. When it's exposed, so then you say, this far, no further. If I, if I go beyond the point, I'm stepping over a cliff. So the first step in spirituality actually is linked into fear. Not a negative fear, not a bad fear, not a guilty fear, not but a realistic acknowledgement that there are consequences to this world and to my actions. And the more the fear is present, the more real Torah is. So therefore you begin your Rosh Hashanah thing and you say, let that fear become manifest in the world, meaning let the spiritual reality become present. That is not just a philosophy, a nice way of thinking, it's a reality. That's Rosh Hashanah. Starting point. 101. Torah is not a nice philosophy. It's not a guidebook for life. It's a description of what the world really is on its essential level. You only experience that when there's a fear attached to it. Without that, it's a nice philosophy. And what happens if I don't subscribe to that philosophy? It's okay. Big deal. That's not reality. That's an idea. It's relativity. So that's, that's very important. I'll call Ma'asecho. 
that means the entire world that has cognizance every, all of humanity should have this experience not just the Jewish people globally there should be a global experience. It's called we're recreating a different kind of world. That's what we're asking for. Hashem, let this world change. Let the man in China have this understanding. What do you mean the man in China? He doesn't even know that such a thing as a Jew exists. He doesn't know about Torah. He doesn't know about the 613 mitzvahs. You're giving him that spiritual consciousness that you realize, whoa, if I lie, it's a problem. If I cheat, it's a problem. If I steal, it's a problem. If I bow down to an idol, it's a problem. If I do, it's a problem. It's scary to do those things. Meaning, the other option is a real option. It's only scary when the other one is real. And the awe is nothing, there's another thing which the, the fear is. This is called awe. When a person fears something, not because he's scared of his own personal safety, but because there's a magnificence and a grandeur to overstepping that limit so that brings awe like a gigantic mountain not scared the mountain is going to fall on you you feel the smallness of yourself in relation to the grandness of that so then so this fear which is first of all kind of a personal self-preservation spills into an acknowledgement of this magnificent gigantic huge overwhelmingly great structure that surrounds all around me amazing creation of a world galaxies stretching from side to side all carefully energized and manipulated by the guiding hand of an omnipotent creator whoa this is scary in a wow awesome kind of fashion what happens next you acknowledge your own vulnerability what does the acknowledgement of vulnerability transpire as? We stand upright. When we acknowledge that there's something grander than us, we bow down. Bowing down is a body language of the acknowledgement of something way above me, and I'm small in relation to this huge structure. V'yishtachavu, v'yishtachavu, and then as a result this team spirit starts to evolve amongst humanity and everyone gets together the entirety, all the nations start to combine because they're all now synced into the reality they become aligned to the will of Hashem and all of a sudden the darkness of the world becomes light We knew this already. This is what we're doubling for. But we know this. This knowledge for us of the reality is present. We know that you're in charge. So that's a small, tiny, superficial insight into the first part of Rosh Hashanah.